I'm on. I don't know if you noticed, but there's a building going up next door. Huh? There most certainly is. What you see over there is what they call the pad. In the pad, the trees were taken out and the root balls and then packed with dirt because the organic material couldn't support the. And they put a bunch of dirt down and they packed it down twice. We have the fence up, we got the block coming in. And so we have ourselves a building now that we officially started some time ago. But next Sunday morning, during our worship service, we're going to cut the worship services short. And we're going to run out there and we're going to have a little dedication. We're not going to take any of your extra time. And we have shovels, and these are for grown-ups, and we even have little kids' shovels. You see what I'm saying? This is a lightweight thing. The child, Rachel's going to bring the children out there, and they're going to pass them off to you. I realize that you guys that are online are going to have trouble participating, <laughs> but that's okay. And we'll be posting stuff. Some of you who are online don't even live here, but others who, if you live here, come on by. And, and if you're online later on, we'll have pictures, maybe from a drone, whatever, as the construction continues. But what's out there is a pad, concrete block. We're storing it. We're just having a blast. Here's the, here's the material that will symbolize next Sunday, and we're going to do it twice. So if you're here at 9 o'clock, we'll run out there, not, not cutting into the 1030 time. And at 1030, when, if you come at that time, we'll run out there, and everything is going to go according to Hoyle. Does that sound good? Are you fired up with me? Yeah. I'm fired up about it. I think I probably get to be in some of the pictures too. Let me see if this will work. I don't know if it's going to work or not. I didn't. There we go. Stay there. So here we are. It's been introduced two or three times We're already this morning. We are in a series and we're calling it Rhythms of Renewal and we're borrowing it from a woman named Rebecca Lyons, and you met her, the women who are here, because she spoke at the real event that happened last October. So rhythms of renewal, and that's what we're about. And so let's, let's get that up on with the four words, I'm sorry, rest, restore, connect, and create. And here's, here's what rhythms of renewal, what we're meaning. And here's, what I'll, here's the challenge. This morning is going to be challenging. So I just want you to know that ahead of time. We're going to be challenged by what it means to be fully engaged in a life of following Jesus. It's a challenging thing. It's a good thing. Trust me. It's a good thing. But it's also a challenging thing. So rhythms of renewal. What we mean by that is rhythm is intentionality. And see the first part of the challenge is already there. On purpose, we're being challenged to choose to build cadence, rhythm, intentionality into our lives, and we mean that daily, new things, restorative things, things that help us become more the person that God made us to be so that we can do the work that God built us to do. So many of us are going to be resistant to change. I, I'll just speak for myself. I am resistant to change, and, but the challenge, I always end up better off and glad about it. So rhythm means cadence, intentionality, and renewal means to repair something that's broken or worn out. McLean asked you to raise your hand a little while ago. Online, maybe you did. Are you worrying about stuff? Did you have somebody chirping, so to speak, in your ear at 3 o'clock this morning? Something may need to be repaired that's broken or worn out. And so what we're doing is we're, we're leaning in to the heart of of God who's beckoning us 
to attach ourselves to himself. And that's going to take intentionality. And we're looking at four different ways that we can build intentionality into our lives. And we kicked around what we meant by rest last week. And I'm not going to go back through all of last week other than to say rest what we meant by that was on purpose choosing to engage in meaningful ways in an individual personal connection to God. Lots of different ingredients to that. There are a million different ways that you can do it. And we su- we're suggesting that rest is different than vegging out. Okay, I vegged out yesterday. And I watched, I did that funeral and that was restorative. But also after the funeral, I watched about 22 straight hours of football. And I realized at the end of it, I was just tired. <laughs> but it's okay to veg out and watch football, and I'm going to either play golf or watch football or both today. But that's okay. I don't know what you're going to do. And I'll stay up as late as I can tomorrow night watching the Bucks. But the point is, is that vegging out is not resting. So we mean by rest spiritually connecting, having our lives connect with God and finding daily and intentionally ways to do that and the challenges of doing that. And I suggested to you that maybe you go to the app called version and just go to it and do it today and do it again in the morning. I suggest you do it in the morning and see what happens to you. That's just one of 9,000 suggestions. I'll, I'll sell Rebecca's booklet as while I'm doing this. Uh, we passed out physical copies of it last week. This is not available physically anymore because you took them all, but if you want it, it's on our website. You got to go to resources and drop, dive, go drop down and all that kind of stuff. But here is another tool that will help you rest. It has restore and connect and create in it also, but this is a tool. It's just a tool. Weekly rhythm guide. If you feel like there's something that needs repair, if you're worrying about stuff, if you're not fully resting, maybe God is trying to challenge you to lovingly get you engaged in some intentionality, some rhythm, some cadence daily. Starting early, I would suggest. Starting early. Well, there, that's rest. So today we're going to kick around restore. And what we're going to mean by restore is more sort of um, body, like physicality. But we're going to mean that in, a, in a, a more than just the obvious way. But let's start with the obvious way. And I want to do that by showing you some pictures of some buddies of my mind. Up on the wall will come a picture of my downtown YMCA, oh, dark, early in the morning, crazy knucklehead people that I hang out with every single morning. This is a picture of a Christmas party. So here we are on the steps. This was the second Saturday in December this past. And so there they are. Now look at them. See, do those look like just regular people to you? Huh? You see anybody in there? You know, you may, but they're just regular people. Now, there is something about them that's a little bit different. Most of them, on purpose, get up really early in the morning, and they run and or go into the Y and work out. They're not super athletes. They're not super fit. They're just giving it a shot and showing up every day. Now, here's what happens. You start to get yourself physically in shape, and you just crave more because energy and vitality begins to release. And what we're saying is if we're resting and we're beginning to connect really carefully with God, the next thing you know, 
we are wanting also to have our physical lives restored. And I'm going to include in that the way we think about the world. But here they are. Now here's the next shot is us actually doing stuff in the Y. This is called Body Pump. This is a 45-minute nonstop weightlifting class. It's aerobic. It is not easy. I hate it. I call it Body Bag. So you can't see Cynthia, but she's in the front up there leading it. And they're here, just some of my buddies. And so um, if you see in, in the middle on the right, you see the white pants and the knee with the, with the knee brace on it. That's my buddy Nate. That's the third picture. So here comes the third picture, me and Nate. There we are. We're better together, ain't we? So Nate, it gets up every morning and goes in a Y. I get up every morning and go in the Y. And what happens is I begin to feel that, hey, there's nothing super about me. I'm just telling you keeping the blood flowing, staying, trying to stay healthy, okay? Because what we're saying is that restore begins with physicality. But let's do this. Let's give a theological, biblical reason for saying that we need to be physically restored, which is going to include the way we think. This is where the challenge is going to get really serious this morning. Let's look at the great Apostle Paul talking about how he wants us to understand what it means to be people who are in restoration. This comes from his letter to the people in the city of Rome, the earliest followers of Jesus, just a few years after Jesus' death and resurrection. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So, therefore, Paul is writing to these people. He's coming to see them, and this is sort of his building a case, uh, building the foundation for the way they're going to relate to each other once he gets there. He has not been to Rome yet, but he's written them this, this great letter. <clears throat> Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And what he means by that is with the backdrop of that cross, which is empty, which is God's love for us, God's mercy. I'm urging you. You already know that God has done the hard work and the good work and the first work. God has loved you. For those of you who are online, you can't tell somebody's phone went off. And, and I, I don't mean to be embarrassing, but I probably am. <laughs> there. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you in view of or because of or, or through the dynamic influence in your life of God's death and resurrection through his son Jesus, offer your bodies. And the word literally is soma in the Greek text. Offer yourself. The physicality of who you are as a living sacrifice. Now, wait a minute, what? My physical life is a part of my sacrifice, my worship of God? Well, apparently it is. And so we need restoration of our minds and bodies so that we can be fully alive and vigorous and flourishing. Why? So we can do the work that God made us to do. Kathy and Joanne Strober became mutters yesterday. Here's what happened to them, by the way. I could just tell by being around them. Kathy came back home last night, long day. She was jacked. She was so excited, so restored. I vegged out on the couch watching football. I was the watching the the again. I did. I led the the the, the celebration of Julie's life, and that was restorative. It was sad, but it was restorative because we celebrated. But then I go home and veg. They didn't veg. They were doing something with their bodies, a living sacrifice. Notice what Paul says. Holy, 
and pleasing to God. Don't let the word holy bother you. It doesn't mean anybody's perfect. It just means holy means set apart to do what God built you to do. So does, was God jacked yesterday that they were down there helping this sweet woman, Lois? Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. And look at what Paul says. This is the true way, the authentic way, the real way for you to actually worship. But now here, watch this. this now it's going to get challenging in a different way. Oh, don't conform to the pattern of this world. Ooh. One translator just playfully says, translate it this way, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Now, the challenging thing here is you and I are being asked as Jesus followers to look at all the behaviors and values in the world. I'll, I'll substitute the word culture and ask ourselves the critical question, is that way of being and is that value consistent with the best I know biblically and relationally about who Jesus is and how God wants us to live? Is it or is it many times we find they're in direct opposition to each other? The way things are is it opposite of how God would want it. And Paul is saying, don't let yourself be squeezed into that kind of way of living. How he, and he says, but rather, look carefully, it says, but in the word Allah, it means rather, be transformed. We talk about transformation all the time. It's about the challenge of thinking about the world and its values and making sure we know what we're doing and why we're doing it. Is this, this consistent with how God wants us to do it? Or am I getting squeezed into somebody else's mold? I'll give you an example. This is really challenging. It sounds like I'm fussing at us, and I guess I am. We have this lie going on in our culture. You ready? And I bl believe me, I bought it. And the lie is this. The lie is, if I have the money and if I want it, buy it. And even worse, the lie says, you should buy it. Uh, the word that people who are critics, so I'm, when I say critic, I mean an, who are analyzing culture, would call that consumerism. And I'm not saying it's bad to buy things. And if you follow me around, you see I bought a bunch of things. So, I mean, I am absolutely a consumerist, but I'm constantly wondering, oh, how much does it? And here's, here's the lie. The lie is that it puts me at the center of the of meaning and of the universe. If I think that my money is mine and I could and should do with it what I want to, then I just put myself at the center of all reality. I want to remind me, and I want to remind you, I told you this is going to be challenging. It is. It ain't your money. Where'd you get it? You earned it. Where'd you get the ability to earn it? Well, in other words, you, you just regress back. You end up in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. So what I'm saying is that we have a material abundance in our culture. And the, it's not that that's bad. It's not bad. God wants us to use it for God's good. There's nothing more gratifying than having stuff and then using it in a redemptive way, like I'm pointing at Kathy and Joanne, because they just took their lives. They, they, it, cost, it cost them time and effort, and they drove down in their cars, and they, but they put their skill and their love and everything else to work for somebody else. And they had the freedom financially to take the day off to go and do it. I mean, I'm just thinking out loud with you here. Your stuff is yours. It's not mine. Private property. Ain't we glad about that? 
But I'm telling you, you want to be restored with your stuff? Oh, submit it to God. Say, how do you, God, want me to use my stuff? Your home. How can you use your home to be a place of warmth and restoration and friendship and fun and laughter and parties and celebrations and family? That's the kind of stuff we do with our stuff. It's not our stuff. So I think that's really hard for us. That's just one cultural lie. I have one other I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. But I want to get the I want to finish with the text here. So we're being transformed. Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. How challenging that means you have to stop and ask yourself the question. Do I think that because I have the money, I therefore should go buy it? There's the other thing we do with stuff, by the way. We take our stuff, and when it's old and worn out, you know what we do? We heave it, throw it away. I do it. I make sure that the recycling stuff gets in the green can, but I still throw stuff away. And you know what? You ain't got another one of these. You ain't got another body. You, ain't that, you, you don't have another soul. You can't just throw your soul away. And if we don't restore ourselves in these rhythms, intentionality to get repaired, to what's, what's worn out and what, to repair what's broken, if, that, if we don't see our body as a resource given to us by God, we can't just use it up and toss it. But many of us are in desperate need to have restoration. And the ways that we're getting pushed into fixing ourselves may be coming from a world with a set of values that's opposite of what would be good for us. Consuming more things will not restore us. If your car will run, if your kitchen can cook the food, if the heat works, and we need heat this week, then you're going to be okay. The question is, can I use my life, my stuff, with vitality and energy to help make God's thing better? And you do it in your family and do it in your job and you're knocking it out of the ballpark right there. Well, Paul wants us not to be squeezed into the pattern of the world, but he wants us to be transformed. We talk about that all the time. A real relationship with Jesus and a real relationship with each other. The next thing you know, we're transforming. We do this as a family. This is not an individual thing because individualism is the other lie. So, and it's, the other lie is I'm in this world on my, and I'm, I created myself and I'm in charge of creating myself and I'm in charge of making sure I am in, I'm in charge of everything. That's just not the way God made us, but that's the second lie. You'll be able to test and approve what is God's will. In other words, when we do all this, we're living into God's will and God's will is good and it's pleasing and it's perfect. So three ways, <clears throat> three ways that we can kick this around, food and learning and identity. Food. We've already kicked that around. I am in day, how many days is it no sugar? Anybody want to join a fat boy contest with me? I'll challenge you right now. No sugar. That's, only, that's just what I'm saying. Well, my belt loops are already starting to loosen up a little bit. Kathy, can you tell the difference? <laughs> but what really is important is that I just feel better. I mean, I, November 1, I said, I'm going to eat my way all the way to January, and I did it. And I crushed it. Cheetos, French fries, malted milk balls, all that stuff you gave us for Christmas. I mean, I crushed it. But now I've got the sugar thing, and so I'm drinking more water and not eating any sugar. And I, ne I never even got the jitters. Now, if I see a bag of Cheetos, I'm going to get the jitters. But <laughs> so I showed you my why buddies. It's really food and exercise. 
And what happens is you begin to, you begin to feel vibrant if you're, if you're just a little bit more healthy. And so it's not health for health's sake. It's health in order to be able to live into a relationship with God and each other so that we can be used by God to do the stuff that God wants us to do. And that, my friends, is restorative. When it's aimed at others, it's restorative. You, feeling better is, is, uh, is obviously a good thing. Feeling healthier is a good thing. But man, when you aim yourself at others and you're doing your job and doing your family and all that, it's really hard. But that's going to make a huge difference. Paul, Paul wants us to also, I use the word learning. I, what I mean by that is, is thinking what I've already suggested about what is going on around me and are the things that are, people are saying are good, are they really good as best I know how to measure good or are they bad? And oftentimes what we find is the good and the bad are the opposite of what we really think God would want them to be. And we, it just is hard work to sort that out. Rebecca wants to get us to think about the third thing, identity, and it helps us understand about our minds and learning. Rebecca talks in the series stuff that we're borrowing about her firstborn child. His name is Cade, and he has Downs. Well, he's 10 or 12 years old, and he's got two little brothers. And one day, the two bro the little brothers come home, and Cade comes home, and some mean kid was teasing Cade, the kid with Downs. And what Rebecca says, and what I think is true, is that Cade has Downs. But Cade is not, the label does not define Cade. Listen carefully. The label does not define Cade. The labels that you're living with in your families or the labels around you, they do not define you. Biblically, they don't. Cade has downs. That means he learns a little slower. And he's up against something hard, right? Downs. But he's not downs. He's Cade. So just substitute the name right now in your life. Maybe somebody has labeled you. Maybe you're labeling yourself. Maybe a child in your family has a label. Well, that's a hard thing. And downs is not going to go away. But Cade's life is not defined because he's labeled. He's Cade. He's their son. He's their brother and all these other things. So what is it for you? My guess is that in some way you're wrestling with some of this label stuff that's going on out there. And that's why I use the word identity. The lie that the culture is trying to tell us about identity is this. You ready? If this doesn't make sense, I'll say it two or three different ways. Come tell me if it doesn't, But this, because this is really hard. The culture is telling us out on this end of the continuum, you ready? That you are 100% on your own to decide who you are across the board in everything about human existence. Everything. You have to figure it out for yourself. And then we have this other kind of corollary thing that says, you just be you. I get it. But am I, am I on my own 100% to figure out who I am? And is it up to me and whatever I come up with, is that what I am? Ah, oh, that's just insidious. That's almost like terrorism. 
what loving creator would have made a human being and then said, go figure it out? I don't think that's what God did at all. So these labeled things are really, really insidiously, negatively bad. And here's, here's something we really have messed up. Jesus' followers are supposed to love people no matter what, even at the same time while we critique or examine or make judgments about what we think is consistent with God's ways and values and behaviors and what we think is outside of God's best. We're supposed to love people but figure out the right way to live. We got it flipped. We're loving the culture around us without examining it carefully, and we're harshing on people because of their labels. It's not easy. I'm not saying any of this is easy, but leaning up against a hard thing includes sorting this out. Oh, this is what I know. Jesus loved people and told them the truth at the same time. And the truth was his way of saying, here is how God made us. Here's God's best. I love you. And he helped people get from where they were to where God wanted them. But he didn't hate them. The most lost people ever who've lived felt loved by Jesus. I'll say that again. Think about that. The most lost people are the ones that are racing to him. Read the Bible. Read the New Testament. Read the Gospels. The people everybody's harshing on because of their behavior and their values, Jesus seemed to love them. But guess what happens to them? He shows them his truth and they get transformed. They become different. But he, didn't, he never harshes on them. He makes it clear. He says, oh yeah, son, daughter, you have a choice. And you're going to need to live with the consequences of the choice. But oh, they just felt loved. He looked them right dead in the eye. Said, that way you're living. Don't do that anymore. You know how it turns out. So, yeah, this is hard. This is challenging. Our identity. Oh, to me, it's just crushing that I'm supposed to, that some, the world wants to tell me that I'm 100% in charge of figuring this out on my own. You pick your label out there. Oh, we have a label war going on out there. Here's what's true biblically. What's true biblically is you and I were made in God's image. Page 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. And in chapter, page 4, page, page 3, chapter 3, we fall. We rebel. We think we can define good and evil on our own. We don't need God. So we got that. We have this, we've, been we've been built by God to be God's image bearers. But at the same time, we rebel against God. All that being the case in the challenge of figuring out well, who am I? Here's who you are. You ready? You are a child of God. You are a new creation. I am a friend of Jesus. I am created by God to do good. We got five more. I am free in Jesus. I am chosen and loved. I am not ruled by fear. I am secure in Jesus. I am loved by God. Let's go back to the first one. Get your phones out. You wrestling with identity? You got anybody who needs to know who they are in your life? You got anybody who maybe you don't agree with some of their values and their behaviors, but you want them to know they're loved? Get your phone out and you take a picture of this. Do it right now. I am a child of God. That's who I am. 
This was cre- you were created by God. You're not alone and on your own to figure this out. This is who we are. I am a new creation. I am a friend of Jesus. I'm created by God to do good. I'm free in Christ. I'm chosen and loved. I am not ruled by fear. I am secure in Jesus. I'm loved by God. We love people because we're loved by God. That's where we start. There are lots of things that God is going to work with us to figure out about our lives. No, hey, I, I've spent hours doing that Myers-Briggs thing, you know. So I'm an ENFP if you want to know, which means I, that's one of the reasons you think I'm chasing squirrels all the time. But I'm not. I realize that I get lost in conceptual things and have sometimes a hard time getting it on the ground. I know this about myself. But here we're going to put it on the ground. You ready? I'm going to put this thing on the ground for you. Assuming that you'll get that list, the list that we just read, and say it over and over to yourself, or maybe there's somebody in your life. You know what? Rebecca Lyons is telling Cade every day all nine of those things. That's how she's dealing with it. Yes, there's tough stuff that's leading against us, but it does not define us. The things we just read, which are straight off the pages of Scripture, those define us beginning in page one. You were made by God and in God's image and of infinite value to God. Yes, we rebelled, chapter three. That does not cancel our image bearing and it doesn't cancel God's love. We need the truth. We need to be shown where our values, our behaviors don't align with the best we can humbly pull out of Scripture. We do it humbly. We do it as a family. Always with humility. I think this is best. I think this is what this means with our brothers and sisters. And then we go through those nine things. And that's what you may need to hear right now about yourself or somebody you care about, man, you may need to hear it. It, The real things are real as they are. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick one excellent next best step. Those are pretty good adjectives, huh? I'll say them again. One next excellent best step in your intentionality about renewal. And we're talking today about restoration, so I'm making the assumption already that you already took the first next best step, which is to build with rest some intentionality into connecting personally and privately and individually with God in your personal life. And I say, I'm saying to you, do it daily. Go to version, get this manual, whatever you take. Call McLean on the phone and she'll give you 22 ideas. That's, that step, so I'm not making the assumption already that you did that one. You with me? I, I realize that I'm pressing. Now I'm taking a next best step. It might be about your diet. It might be about you are a couch potato and you simply need to get up and move. And you need some exercise. And what happens from this exercise in diet is we get a little bit less processed food, a little bit better food going on, a little bit more physical activity, and then all of a sudden I can go to Cape Crawl and be a mutter. You'll be able to use your physicality. Remember Paul said, present your bodies. So what's your maybe the next best step for you is some kind of commitment, and you're going to need some kind of partner. Now, I'm making fun about the sugar thing with the fat boy contest. And, and men, we can talk to each other that way, and we mean it. You're, just, you're a fat, lazy slob unless you'll do something about it. And we say that kind of ugly things to each other. We mean it lovingly. 
But maybe you need a partner who will sort of be your accountability teammate. And you're going to pick something and, and you're going to say, I just want to get a little bit better about how I'm eating and how I'm taking care of myself because I want a little more energy flowing through my body. And it's not, you are not the end game. I'm not the end game. It's so I can be used. So I can go and live my life in my family and in my job and in my community and I can help and I can make a difference. I can have an impact. So maybe that's your best next excellent step. Maybe, however, you need somebody, a confidant, that you can sit with. And maybe it's something about your struggle with renewal in the sense of getting squeezed into some kind of pattern or some kind of behavior, some kind of belief that you suspect might be outside of God's best. And you're saying, man, I don't think this is right and I, I think I need some help, and you find somebody who you think can help you, and you go and you bear your soul with them. It will please God immensely if you will open yourself up to the possibility of cadence with someone where you're repairing something that's broken or something that's worn out. And it could be that you're chasing something that you thought was true, and it really isn't true. It's not God's truth. It's outside of God's truth. And you've, your life has been damaged because of it. And not many people are going to tell you, well, that's not really true. They're not going to say that. They're going to say, do you. Go just be you. You do you. Except that's not biblical. There is truth. Humbly, we do this together. Well, I'm going to stop. Next best step, what is it? We're going to rest, which means connecting spiritually in cadence for renewal. And then we're going to restore, which means to somehow get our physical, mind, identity, body, self more refreshed, more energy, more vitality coming through it, all in service to the purposes for which God made you. And man, not, you, you can't stop somebody who said, wow, this is what God wants me to do. And you find yourself craving restoration when you get clear about how much you're loved and who you really are. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, these are challenging things, and I'd feel in completely inadequate to try to say what it is that I think you want us to know. But in some simple way, it's really clear. We need to be willing, even though it's painful, to look at everything in our world and ask the question, is this, is this the way God would want it? Or is this really the opposite of what God would want? And we mean that about our health, and we mean that about what kinds of things we put into our minds, and we mean that about our identity. And we want to be people who just sit down inside of the fact that we are your children. We're made by you. We're your image bearers. Yes, we are fallen, and therefore we need you. What happens, gracious God, when we do all this? We wake up and we go, wow, I am not God, but you are. Restore me, God. Make me the person you want me to be. Give me the courage with friends around me to examine my life and my way of viewing things and to help me see things that aren't true and get rid of them and see things that are true and do more to take care of them. Restore us. Give us new vitality. Give us new energy. We want change. We want a new life. That's why we're here. Thank you, gracious God, for the challenge that it is to be you're alive and vital sons and daughters in a world that in many ways wants to fight everything that's true about who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, let's stand one more time.